Welcome to the Mock Stars Podcast, the number one podcast in collectible card gaming, sponsored by Dr. Pepper. I'm your host, Chris Ritter. I'm here with my co-hosts, Jordan Garcia. What up? And Evan Kunai. What a do? You can uh, check us out down below. You can find us on our socials. You know how to do this. You've listened to a podcast before, Dumb hopefully thanks. an episode of this uh, at some point in your life, and you know how to find us. Uh, Mock Stars, Mock Stars Pod on everything, Linktree down below. Today, we're talking about tournaments. Hmm. Jordan and I just went to tournament. I don't know if you we guys... Did. We talked about it. We, we had a, a couple of, uh, deck workshops. If you haven't like seen those or listened to those... The last two episodes, in fact. Yeah, I'll put deck the Deck workshops links. going yeah. into this tournament. I'll put the links down below in the description. But um, before we get into like the primary discussion, I think Jordan and I are just going to do like a little recap and talk about the tournament that we were just at because it was eye-opening. Like, not only... Was it eye-opening as far as, like, competition, what to expect? But, like, the I mean, the shop. The shop was eye-opening. That shop was insane. Was Gabby's, yeah, Gabby's Olympic Cards and Comics. Shout out. She's awesome. The whole place is awesome. The community there, awesome. Really surprising, like, very, very cool shop. It has everything you could ever want and more and backstock of everything, comics, collectibles, statues, like, hyper-realistic statues and... I can't oh, even imagine everything. what it's like being a child walking through that, like through that store, because it is mountains, it's infinite and, worlds to explore in there. Yeah, like uh, figurines, sculptures, comics, uh, every card game you could ever imagine. They they yeah. do it all, and it's such a cool shop. And um, and then they've branched into uh, hosting CDH tournaments. It's kind of a new thing, which is where we come in. Hold on, what's the uh, name of the shop, and where is it located again? Uh, it is Gabby's Olympic Cards and Comics in Olympia, Washington. Uh, yeah, I, I can't even begin to like tell you guys how awesome this place is. If you have a chance, if you're in the area, go check it out. Go support them because they're an LGS that even though I'm not from Olympia, I want to go there and I want to support them. Yep. Yeah, it was a pretty awesome tournament. Um, should we just get it over with and talk about the records and then just go from there uh, so we don't have to like beat around the bush. Yeah, and then we can sort of like walk through the games. All right. So who got first place, who got second place? <laughs> if we're talking about between just us two. Oh, oh, ooh, spicy. <laughs> just Jordan definitely had a better record. <laughs> it's by a slim margin. <laughs> if O for, if you were both going O for, you know, it's like Jordan had the better record though. It's because I, I I drew two, so I went yeah, yeah. I went o two and two, so I drew two games. Which, yes, out the gate we did not do fantastic, but we learned a lot, and I think there's a lot we can extrapolate from that. We had a fantastic time, let's say, but up front, um, yeah. But like some of those games where I drew, like I fought to draw the game. It was a matter of fact, like I was going to lose, and I made sure that I didn't, so we got a point instead of. Us losing the game. Yeah, I was a spectator for one of them, and uh, I had already lost my game. So I had just walked over, decided to watch. And it when they go to turns, they go two. They give you two times around the table. So once time runs or whatever, and then they say, "All right, this is your first turn. You're going to go two times around the table." Well, it's two times the number of players at the table. Yes. Once turn, what's time is called. And so if a player gets knocked out in that or whatever, the turns that were expected are still there. That just gets redistributed amongst everybody. So uh, 
I walked over and I just started like watching this game. It was funny that Gabby came over to me and was just like, watch, watch your like body language a little bit. Cause like you're nodding <laughs> and it's giving cues to other it's players. Getting hyped. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm getting hyped to like watch this game. And she's just like, Hey, if you're going to stand here and watch this game, do not contribute anything other than being a statue. Yeah. And, they, I mean, they were serious. Like they had, you know, official judge ruling and everything like that. Yeah, and just watching this game like play out, we we learned a lot from just this one game because one of our future uh, deck workshops will feature one of the cards that we saw play out in the last the couple like last few turns. But I just watched I, I when I joined in and I started spectating, I could see over Jordan's shoulder and I saw in his hand dress down, um, just like interaction out the the wazoo and tutors and i was just like why is he not winning oh it, it was because someone draked your malcolm you know it's like yeah i was pretty much gassed out of resources at that point yeah and and so you were you were wise to like keep your hand up like keep keep your interaction on point because by the time i got there and i'd spectated jordan had already played his final turn like he didn't get another turn when i started watching so like it was probably like a 20 to 30 minute go around the table before the game actually ended but after Jordan passed and it went to this guy and then it went to the uh, kitty corner player and they they tried to win. They really went hard for it, like went hard in the pain. Do you want to do you want to talk about like what went down in those last couple turns? Oh, man, it's crazy. Yeah. So player. So say I'm player two, right? Can we backtrack? Yeah, uh, we're we're in the middle of we're actually we're at the end of this game. Uh who are the players in this game? Who are the commanders they're playing? Just to set the stage a little bit. Oh yeah, it's a very might might be a little easier than being like, well, uh, player player across from me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So we had a uh, Thrasios Timna deck, uh, presumably Razakats. Um, then we had a really spicy deck. It was a Falco Sparrow deck, um, which was one of the <coughs> new competitive commanders, the Bant one that goes infinite with Sensei's top and one other thing that creates a counter, I believe. Um and uh, devoted druid. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and then the guy in front of me was playing Yeva. I want to say, yeah, he was playing. Yeah, I. So the tournament was sixty-four players. I in my first round played against the Thrasios Timna deck, and we lost to it. Yeah. And it was it was Hermit Druid. Uh, is that Razakats? I can't remember like exactly what that line is, but it was a Hermit Druid focused deck where you activate Hermit Druid, you throw everything into the graveyard, Narc Amoeba comes out, and then you cast Dread Return by sacrificing three creatures you control to bring Thassa's Oracle to the field and win the game. Yeah, so that was the player to the right of me. That was uh, the kind of player in turn order one. Uh, and then I was two, and then three was Yeva, and then four was this Thrasios Timna deck. Thrasios Timna deck was packing this card that Evan was kind of hinting at called Sacred Guide. Sorry to spoil it, Evan. Which is this kind of new uh, concept of... Not new, it's actually a very old card, but it's kind of a new strategy for Santa seeing pop up right now, where it's essentially it's a mono-white alternative to Tainted Pact, where you're exiling your entire library. Um, it's on a one-drop creature, and then you get to activate it for one and a white, and then exile until you hit a white permanent. If you don't have any white permanents, boom. It's just white card. White card, white card you're yeah, right. Yeah, just yeah. white cards. There's no white cards except for this one. Excuse me. And then, uh, so he lands that, and or instantly, like, and this is the second la to last turn, so it's him and then the next guy. Uh, and we're like, oh, this is over. And then... The whole table, when they see it, though, goes, what the fuck yeah everybody took a little turn back and the the issue was that the guy that was about to untap on the last turn had already resolved a hermit druid that was about to have be able to untap 
So it was just one person on top of another trying to win. And it was uh, a very heavily interactive game the whole time. It was kind of a slog. And at that point, I'd already tried to win two or three times. So I was just kind of sitting back, collecting resources and countering anything that came up, especially after my final turn went. And there was, like Evan said, another 30 minutes. It was really just picking the key time to interact and making sure I pull a point. Um, I don't know if like play style, if that's how we should be playing. That's kind of murky in the four player world of tournaments and stuff. Well, you had already played your outs, right? So like in your opportunities to win, like in your turns, you had played your outs. And so now when you realize that you weren't going to have any more opportunities or any more turns, you played your out. Like you, your out was to drag the game on, to draw it out because you on your field had the watering archaic, which put in work which is unreal, and then I can't oh, remember yeah. what the other thing was, but you, oh, and then you uh, ended up uh, getting a Gilded Drakes to steal a Hermit Druid at instant speed or something. Or yeah, something well, it was that. it was all because the pretty much the biggest thing I contributed to this game, which was not a lot because I kept getting countered, was I reanimated somebody else's Wandering Archaic, and then by the end of the game when everybody's throwing Haymakers, everybody forgot to t- play two. So at pretty much instant speed, someone Court of Calling, and I got to Gilded Drake, the Hermit Druid, at the last second. And pretty much stopped the game from being over. So it was pretty exciting. Yeah, it was a really cool game. And and that is really the uh, breaking point, the determining point on why Jordan did better than I did. At the that tournament. was it. Yeah, that was That it. was the moment. It was just, that, that was the moment. And <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I mean, in my experience with the tournament, like, yeah, zooming out to recap bit. it is, yeah, like, first game did not have a great game. Second game had an amazing opportunity to win. Third game, it's like... I think this goes into the further, like the bigger discussion of like tournaments and how it all plays out and how it's, it is luck based in a sense where, you know, your matchups, you look at the table and you realize that like, maybe I should be winning this game. But like, uh, um, I played against in my third game, I played against Winota, Braxis and a Kadena deck and I'm playing uh, Zakama combo with food chain. And so when I look at the table, I'm instantly like going, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm like salivating because I'm so excited for this matchup because I've been waiting to play against a Winota player all day. That's like my key matchup. I love that. You like another deck that's taxing out the board. Yeah, because I'm, I'm already built to like dance around it. And, uh, it was like turn three, I landed, uh, devoted Druid and Swift reconfiguration, but turn one Winota had dropped a glow rider like a crypt land glow rider rograk ship and then i looked at my hand and i went oh shit like i just couldn't i couldn't play anything so i played a land and i passed right and it comes back around the table turn two Winota plays thorn of amethyst drops another creature down Ugh. and you're like what do i do Oof. here so yeah you're just like I'm sitting on like a land tax and a couple other like enchantments that three I, mana land tax feels bad. Yeah, it feels really bad. And had that not like that glow rider not come down, my card advantage would have been insane. Like going second, like figuring it all out, like would have been awesome. And it comes back around to turn two, and I just play a land and I go, I guess I got to get something going. And I, you know, very uh, unsuspectingly play the devoted druid. I play it out, and I just need, I, you know, like I need mana, like this dorks got to come out not like they don't know i have swift reconfiguration in hand so like goes around the table one more time and i spend the three mana to go for swift reconfiguration and this is where a lot of people don't know what ecological appreciation does but once you can generate infinite mana like infinite green mana any x spell looks scary Mm -hmm. any anything like that does so i 
just look at the table and I said, I have infinite green mana, like no responses, no responses. And then I go ecological appreciation. And I said, I'm going to pump like an arbitrary amount of mana into it. My highest CMC is four. And then the guy playing Kadena just had like kind of like a buffed up version of it. And he forced a negation it. And I just went... God, this really sucks. Maybe you should have hit that Thorn of Amethyst with the Force of Negation, my dude. and <laughs> Or stop you from winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, didn't, it didn't, didn't really, like, stop me from, like... I still, like, put together, like, an infinite mana loop and, like, stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if it would have, like, really propelled me forward. It would have given me Academy Rector. You know, like, someone still has to make a choice on what I get. And my stacks at the time weren't, like, looking that great. Um, so that got countered and then it just come, comes back around. I've just generated infinite mana and the Winota player just hyper focuses me because Braxis isn't doing anything and uh, Kadena is doing nothing. Of too. course, yeah. To be fair, you were the guy who just tried to win true, the game. True, true, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. That'll get you some attention. It did. Yeah, it did give <laughs> it me. It does tend to draw yeah, eyes. I ended up getting two more turns. Winota just hyper focuses me. And after I get the infinite green mana, it goes around to them and they swing and they get two triggers. The first trigger is a Cathar Commando. And I just immediately just shaking my head like... GG's. Yeah. Yeah, this is the Winota deck, man. It, Goodbye. It uh, does really well in tournaments. Yep. And then the second trigger was a Ranger Captain of Eos. <laughs> and I had... And when I picked up my next card, I had Food Chain Loop, like, Ugh. in my hand. So I, I go into my next turn, and they... Well, before I get to my next turn, uh, their end step, they blow up... Uh, the swift reconfiguration killing the devoted druid and then they sacrifice a ranger captain on my uh upkeep so can't do anything right so, so yeah so i just go and i'm like they knew, they had you pinned yeah they had me absolutely pinned because the other two players weren't doing anything and so goes around the table one more time yeah. and winota punches me again and the next trigger they get is a hope of gear or like or they play a hope of gear from their hand <laughs> give everything haste and then punch me again and then sacrifice it so that I can't do anything else because yep. I would have had the food chain loop again and just that is locked you out yeah it Love locked that. me out of the game it was disgusting but that was like a really exciting game and then I guess what what it comes down to is like when you're in tournament all four players have to be contributing otherwise it becomes very very one-sided yeah that is kind of the downside of four player is just but also maybe some would look at it as more of the interesting complex side of it is there's such a human component to this where in a 1v1 setting it is very like mathematic and set in place these are the rules this is how you win this is how you lose where there's so many different aspects politics. this this is the politics of this it this is the politics yeah. of it and yeah like if you're playing a kadena deck that just plays land pass and doesn't get anything going and you manage to be like yo i'm running a very efficient combo with a commander that can use a lot of infinite mana pretty well like that is just going to draw attention and then it just is it warps the game like as much as you like i don't know how much you can do about it it warps the game yeah it sounded like your opponent did a excellent job in the tournament setting of threat assessment yes they yes. did yes they did they they just punched the hell out of me knocked me out of the game and then the thing was is that i looked at the other two players after like i had been sufficiently neutered like and i i just i said when they kill me 
There will be nothing left to defend you. You like they will then kill you, yeah. and then they will kill you. So we have to do something about this. And it wasn't until I was dead, and then the Kadena player played an Ixadron, and then the game lasted another hour. Oh my god! So it was like also like Kadena, like fuck off. What a like what a powerful card! I had no idea, but like the could like the uh, Ixadron was an eighteen eighteen. Like by like by the time it came back around to them to swing, definitely was, some unusual decks, but. Uh, I was also really surprised by the amount of like fully just gassed out meta decks. We thought like you know going into this like smaller kind of comic stuff. Like I didn't know the level of competition we we're going to see, and ended up being forty pretty well versed uh, competitors. I would say. Yeah, we thought maybe like we were going to be one of the you know or, or bringing gas. Like we thought we were bringing like. You thought you were the big city boys going to Olympia? Yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. You could bit. say that. Yeah. So like. I, that, we didn't know what Gabby's was. We didn't know like how big it had been, and you know. Yeah, it turns out that when you're playing tournament, it is experience that trumps all, and you can sit and you can talk and you can like theorize on strategy and put together all these like different concepts. You can play uh, thousands of test hands like on Moxfield, uh, like you can play online and everything like that, like through Discord or whatever. But it is not until you sit down at that table in a tournament setting and go through that experience and all the little micro adrenaline rushes that go along with it that you realize how much pressure is on you, how much every little play is impacted. Every decision. Every decision carries so much more weight under that in that atmosphere. So that was like probably the biggest lesson we learned is we were we we kind of went home with our tail between our legs because we thought we had hit the ceiling and maybe we did for like our pot like we we love playing interactive games um here here in Seattle and like with our group because we love the guys we play with and then we saw how big the ceiling was like how how much higher can you go was was really like the eye opening part was like we knew nothing it felt like we knew nothing I, I, for me, it's, I remember, you know, there were guys that I hung out with in high school that played baseball, played varsity baseball and stuff like that. And just, you know, being out at like a house party one night and just somebody who doesn't play baseball, but plays like gym class baseball with those guys. And occasionally it's a dinger was like, yeah, just like, oh, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. And I was just like, buddy. You're first of all, you're not as good as the guys on the varsity baseball team. Those guys are not as good as the guys they're going to play on college teams with. Those guys, the best guys on their college teams, are going to play triple A ball and so on and so forth. You are you're an okay baseball player. <laughs> you're fine, but you're but you're not a good baseball. You're going to be player. really good in <laughs> yeah. your Sunday league. It's gonna, you're going to yeah. crush. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's ultimately what I came down to is now there is a clear-cut path. Like, we, we talked to so many people at the tournament, and, like, by the way, the community, like, that Olympia hosts, they host uh, CDH every single week. And so these are, like, players who are just in it every week. They're constantly testing their you, you don't get better by winning games against worse players. You get better by losing games against better players, 100%. and that's what these guys are doing. Yes, and so, like, they're constantly, like, focusing and honing, like, their minds for that, that 
tournament setup. And when we went in there, we we're like, well, this is the second tournament we've played in a year. So, yeah, you know, like, yeah, we've been real busy with work. And so, you know, we didn't even get the time like we were planning to play test a ton, not even play test. We were planning on playing online for like the month leading up to it. And with all the moving and stuff, we never really had time for it. So I played two games. Yeah. Two games before uh, before the tournament. But it's really exciting. Yeah. Like, I feel like every game in the last tournament at Marchesa, every game here, I feel like I learned something new every single time. Um, it's, uh, I think it's really cool to see the emerging scene of like actual CDH tournaments happening instead of, or not just instead of, but just watching them grow. I think it's still very much in its infancy. A lot of things are still getting figured out as far as how you turn the rules into a four player setting. Uh, that's getting fine-tuned. I'm noticing a lot of differences from tournament to tournament. Um, kind of like the like the extra turns thing. Like I feel like Marchesa was way stricter. You did not get two times the amount of people. I think it was turn order plus two. Yeah. So like yep. the it second was six turns. So, yeah. So you would you would lose out a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, I think it was like everything was eye-opening. Uh, we did have I will say like uh, some. My first game was like a three-player pod, which was a weird way to start. Uh, like I think that kind of hinders like a lot of decks like the tivit deck that's going really well right now with which the wins was, with i i played against that first yeah. round at a three-player pod we just it was funny how we both got slotted into in our first rounds the two pods that were three players only yeah and like you know i'm playing a malcolm deck with like you know glowhorn really likes hitting three people and not two people <laughs> uh and like the tivit deck it needs three people to combo with time sieve yeah so it was, it was turn three that i drew for turn and i picked up a dockside and no one had played in in, in artifact or an enchantment. At yeah, all. you know, so, like a dox. I feel bad for you, man. That's <laughs> the <laughs> worst thing that can happen to someone <laughs> in the world. A dead doxa. Uh, Absolute nah. shit luck. Yeah, so there's just you know some interesting kind of dynamics when uh, you're talking about four player gaming, and we're just kind of like Evan said, this is just the beginning. I think, uh, like I always say, like come join us on this magic journey because I think it's a journey that we're going on. Uh, I've never been under the assumption that I'm an amazing magic player. I just really like playing competitively. I've always been um, under that assumption for myself. <laughs> I know. Uh, but I really like getting my ass kicked at these tournaments and getting my ass kicked in different ways. And I'm just like, wow, I just didn't fucking see that coming. Or or I do see it coming and I'm like in, in a, you know, a stalled out fight with somebody and it's just like we, they barely eke out the win and that's also really satisfying. Yeah, I had a food chain loop where I couldn't win the game. Like, so I, I like had yeah, you almost cast get the gamma, you know, and it was just like, I was so close. I was just like, so like the adrenaline was just like pumping and then I come down to it and I'm just like, I can't win this turn. Yeah. And then it comes back around and you see some, the insanity of the game that we played like the last game, the guy, one of the guys we were playing with cast a cursed mirror targeting Zakama so that when it entered the battlefield, it saw that it was cast. Clones against Zakama are so funny. Clones Zakama and then comes in and untaps his lands. So he, he casts a Dockside, uses the mana, casts a cursed mirror, untaps all of his lands. Uh, it, it, and that's what ultimately led to this like crazy uh, dual caster saw in half Dockside combo that uh won the game love and to see it yeah he was able to pump since he had a copy of dockside pump that infinite mana through docks or through zakama destroying everybody's non-land permanence and then <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> it fucking was, great yeah, was, and just, gaining infinite life just rubbing you know, salt yeah. in the wound how's it feel <laughs> yeah you know like for everyone else to watch me do it like uh, the turn before and then he takes the next turn and does does it right back to everyone for else. three mana yeah i mean here's the thing like that was it was such a build up to that point. I actually had a player concede 
like after I had fired off the Sakama loop, they're like, oh, you win. And I'm just like, <laughs> we'll see. And then they were like, I'll pick it up. It looks like you won. And I was just like, oh, yeah, uh, didn't. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> yeah, man, I managed to turn to an ad nos and it still wasn't fast enough. I still lost. I need to get through one person's turn. I got my hand got forced because someone, the Winota player decided to try and land a blood moon. So I needed to max out my mana so I could add Nas. And then the guy right after that won a turn two Dockside MEL loop. And he's playing Kenrith. We saw a lot of Kenrith, I will say. Yeah, the final pod was uh, two Kenriths, a Cormella, and what was the last one? I don't even remember. Yeah, I can't I can't remember. It wasn't the Nimrus deck. I really wanted the Nimrus deck to make it. Um, yeah, I, it sounds like uh, the uh, your opponent did one of my favorite things, which is force you to make a bad decision. Yeah. Made you play Adnals on turn two when right. you couldn't do anything with the cards. 100%. And, yeah. the, and like I was a pretty awful Adnals. I barely, I think I got maybe 10 cards deep before I had to stop because uh, he still had unta- uh, upkeep. Or sorry, he still had a turn and he had like a 2 2. So I had to make sure I didn't go too low. Um, and I didn't get any interaction. I got a Pactum negation I couldn't pay for, and that was it. So he just got to freely just go off, and the window to player had fully tapped out and not really had to contribute anything meaningful to the to first two turns. But, you know, live and you learn. I mean, that goes into just discussion as far as, like, tournaments go. It is about preparation. Like, and that is something that I feel that we, we obviously, you know, we talked about a little bit already. We did not get enough. And so, like, what are we going to do going into the next tournament as far as preparation goes. We are going to get to our hotel before the tournament, <laughs> take our luggage off, maybe even have the day before, ideally. But our Lyft driver was a total G, dude. Our Lyft driver was a G, but I was running on four hours of sleep coming right off of work. And I was at game one. I was not in peak competitive headspace. Yeah. Uh, we got there throughout the day, but, you know. Uh, yeah, take care of yourself. Drink water. Be ready. Also, we just got to get more experience. We got to play games. The the crew's been playing a lot of CDH, and you know we've been kind of just getting some more reps in. I will say it is a there is a level of physical exertion that goes along with this, and it's not just like you fidgeting makes you exhausted or like you you know bouncing your leg up and down that like exhausts you. It is like the opportunity to win sends an enormous amount of adrenaline through your body. And so you're sitting there and you're anxious for this moment where you're just like, everything has fallen into place. You see the wind in your hand. You're like, how do I get there? Who's going to fuck it up? Yes. And, you know, you're just hoping that it just like it, it, not that it falls in your lap, but, you know, it works out at the end of like when you go for it. Yeah. When I top decked an ad nauseum and realized that I had five mana to cast it. Yeah. It's like, like, oh, fuck. You know, you're you're a, a, a leopard like preying on a small antelope or something you know it's just like uh, that adrenaline just shooting through your life uh, yeah that's for a sure. ticket you for know? sure you're in fight or flight response for yes. like a solid however many hours you're there and it's yeah. like the entire waves, time it's waves yeah. and it's waves yeah so i'm telling you like when you get up from the table and you walk away and you're like damn you know like so close also just to like on top of that the headspace you're in the amount of things you're keeping track of all of these triggers yep. on top of that we're playing with like comp rel rules which means you are playing like perfect gameplay draw a card don't do anything out of ordinary yeah like, they were they were every pretty, actions being watched yeah they were pretty strict on even just like uh making sure that after you shuffle you offer to cut somebody like there were times when they would just come over or just be watching over my shoulder and i would shuffle because i was playing to tutor again and they were like nope you have to offer like yep. yeah notably they didn't do any dice no dice whatsoever um because like the uh, potential for like 
getting knocked over and stuff like that. Yep. And so when you stand up from the table after like a game and you think like, oh, I'm just going to go take a walk or whatever, you go like you get out of there and you are just like your body feels a level of exhaustion that you just ran a mile, you know, and then that game two comes around and you're <laughs> right back in it. And it's just like, oh, I just cooled down. My mind is like, like not in like where it was at the end of game one. And then you walk away from that game and you're just like, whoo. I better drink some freaking water after this. That's crazy. You're playing four to five games in before you get break to the top sixteen, which is the semifinals. Yeah, and in which in case just, you're playing another game, and if you win that, you're going to the top table, which is another game. And so this effect just keeps compounding and compounding on your body, where it's the higher the stakes get, the more adrenaline runs through you, like the more fatigue you feel, and so the like how sharp you have to be to be competing at like the top play 16. great at the top table. Yeah. Top 16 or, you know, even yeah, at the top table is still something that I don't fully comprehend or understand. But I am like, that's the ceiling that I'm looking at getting to is just like how to stay cool under pressure. It's just experience, 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 and maybe getting to the gym a little more often. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's going to help or not, but work out some, uh, some stress. Uh, and the other notable thing is uh, with these these bots they're using to like organize these tournaments, you know, decide like who's playing who in these uh, pods. They kind of go off of record. So pretty much, if you play well, you play people who are also playing well. So you are an uphill battle the further you get along. Like by the time you're in semifinals, you're playing people with good records. If you have a good record, same with the top table, you're playing people that have maybe not lost a game yet, and they're six games fucking straight. Yeah, which uh, you know, that's why I was playing at a table with Kadena and Jaxus, was because I was already zero and two for the day. <laughs> so <laughs> the matchmaking was not like putting me up against like the top players in the in the. Uh, in the yeah, it is day. kind of funny getting towards the end if you're not having a good record and like how the table energy feels different. Yeah, a it's a lot more chill. Yeah. Lose your final game against a precon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot more casual. I just open this. That's for sure. No sleeves. No one. There wasn't a single judge because I think like they know who the Owen whatever tables are, (laughs) whatever. They're not a single judge even walked over to us. Like I was like, you guys want to cut? And they're like, we don't care. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. My last pod was uh, our buddy John that we met up with was playing Blue Farm. He is also a great player that had just a terrible day. (laughs) Yeah. And then the other two people we're playing with was a Nimrus deck and a Seral Realm Eater deck. Ooh, I didn't Uh, see that deck. I love that. And I got turn one root mazed. Uh, it was pretty sick, and then Nimrus just countered everything as Nimrus wants to do, and then Blue Farm, Blue Farm. Uh, but yeah, the whole energy at that table was just <laughs> a touch different than the rest of the day. <laughs> what uh, what deck did end up winning the tournament? Uh, very spicy, because I will say Kenrith absolutely dominated this tournament. Yep. Um, Cormella ended up pil- pulling out the dub. Cormella is one of the new Grixis... Um, Uncommons. Uncommons from the set called New Capenna. I wasn't stalling. Yes. It's called New Capenna. Streets of New Capenna. Streets of New Capenna. Get it right. A very, very cheap gilded foil, which I'm sure uh, they had. She is awesome. And uh, I'm actually looking at building Evelyn right now, the other Grixis commander. But she uh, has the ability, kind of Kess-like, where um, if she, when she dies, you get to return an instant or sorcery to your hand. But then she also has haste and tap for a one. This is Cormella. Yeah. This is Cormella. Hey, sorry. Haste, tap for one, and you get Grixis. So she's a Grixis dork 
that also returns an instant resource in your hand. Uh, she notably combos with like uh, the new Sawn half combo and stuff like that. Yeah, the mana is restrictive too. You can only spend the mana on instants or sorceries. True, but that's really all that deck cares about doing. Yeah, um, and it's pretty awesome deck. I honestly did not think she would compete that well. I mean, shout out to the pilot who took it there and was competing against two Kenriths. Yeah, I think uh, John had said that they are they were playing quite a few pet cards too. So like yeah. they had like obviously figured out and refined like which powerful strategy they wanted to pursue. But then their interaction package was where they took their liberties and their creativity. They played uh, spellbind or what is it? Trickbind. Trickbind. The uh, uh, split second uh, stifle effect. Yeah, and they also played uh, stifle. Or, uh, yeah. Wow, so, just straight up. Yep. And so they were very on the nose with, like, enter the battlefield effects, triggered abilities. Like, you oh you had mentioned earlier that a lot of the people, it seemed like the vibe with this play group was they were fine-tuned to the meta that, yeah. that they yes. were facing. Yeah, these people yeah. play each other all the time. Yeah, and there were people who traveled in, too. I think, True. like, tournaments are always going to, like, have that draw where... There wasn't actually like a prize, which was kind of funny. There wasn't a prize until round two. Like there was no prize <laughs> announced. They should just said at the very beginning, she was like, "There'll be some good prizes." <laughs> and she yep. like, when someone asked, and like they were like, "TBD." Yeah, and so like the people, I'm not sure who like the person who won, where they were from, or if they traveled in or whatever. But then I think uh, it was like it ended up being like $500 store credit, which in that store. Woo! Oh my God, Kennedy Candy Shop! Holy yeah, crap! Oh my God, I probably would have went for that like Darth Maul. Like I would have a hard model. time because yeah. they had like they had statues or and figurines everywhere of like hyper detailed ones, and like the further back in the shop you got, the bigger and more elaborate they got. Yes, and like I was looking at the big ones, like where the cash register is, where Evan was checking about out, and I was like, oh man, you could have actually bought the biggest fucking one here if you won that. Yeah, you just get this massive like hyper detailed. Just- Darth Maul statue. It was insane. It's pretty cool. Yeah, but where would that fit in this apartment? Yeah, we'd make room. We'd make room. <laughs> yeah. We'd throw something out. Yeah, and so prize was like five hundred, and or you could uh, buy like a collector's booster box. That'd be that's true. Odd. That's true. That's what I would do. Yeah, I guess I, what I was or getting at was you know like people traveling in. I think tournaments are always going to have that like draw. You're always going to have people coming in, and so that sort of upsets the meta in a way. Like even though that there were there these people this group that plays every week and then when this tournament came up they all signed up they all participated in it there was still there were still slots open and you still had people traveling from like we had people from idaho come in we had people from what was it like uh portland a lot of portland people too oh there was like someone from like the like the south who came in i can't remember it was like tennessee i I don't know someone will correct me john if you're listening to this put it down in the comments i can't remember but yeah, we had a lot of people. There was a guy from Germany who showed up. Yeah, no, it was it was a really really cool event, and uh, I plan on doing more tournaments. Plan on getting better at this format, figuring it out. I will say, I think it really just does come down to table politics. It's like, Ooh. and not not like the huge chirping and stuff like that because I'm not into it. But it is, you're almost forced sometimes to correct people and kind of help them threat assess because not everybody is at an equal skill level, and there's a lot of times where people will inaccurately assess who's the threat and you know the person who is the threat it's just going to skate by and yes. uh, so being able to tactfully approach that scenario and talk to the people and kind of not coach but i like i like to be very open i like to just be like here's what i would do here's the options i see on the table here's all the info we have this is the this is the decision i would make from that and I find a lot of the times it's not the decision the people the person was going to make before i said it and if i approach it that way um, I find that you know it's usually received pretty well. 
I try not to, you know, manipulate. People, um, well, speaking of manipulation, people respond better to ideas when they think they're their own idea. Yeah. Which kind of, you know, you you just inception the what you want to happen is a lot better, I think, than uh, being like, hey, you got to kill that guy. Yeah. That guy's the problem. He, he's kill the problem. Him. He's the yeah. problem. Yeah. But if you make, if you get someone else to think that they're building up this plot line in their head or this narrative where that person's the problem, they're going to be much more effective in taking down that person on your behalf than if you just ask them to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, sort of like that, that actually happened to me in the first game where the uh, person who's playing Thrasios Timna, they had shot a, like a statement across the board that redirected a player to me. Which was like they were they were just getting punched and punched and punched because they're playing black and so you're wondering do they have Adnaz and they said I'm not playing Adnaz like he probably has Sylvan Library he he uses his life as a resource like you should be knocking his life down too and so that just redirected this person and I just went like look at me what have I played this <laughs> game I played like two lands and I'm sitting here dawdling let me ask you though was he effective did they start knocking down yeah, your life did, total yeah they did start knocking hey, down my life total good play. Yeah. It is honestly, it is, it is, I would call it the, the uh, eighth card in your hand. Yeah, it was, it was a great play because later on that game, like their life total got pressured like down to the point where we should have kept hitting them because they ended up winning, but they couldn't win without like the amount of life that they had. Right. So again, yeah. Excellent play. Yep. Yeah. Excellent yeah. play. They did it at the right time and there wasn't anything I could do at that point to like try to convince this other player to be like, look, dude, other than showing you my hand, I like I can't convince you that I don't have Sylvan Library. Like it hasn't dropped. Even if I did have Sylvan Library, it's gotta be a go around the table a full time before it even gets to me before I can start paying life. Yeah. So add that to, as another layer of thought of headspace that you're compounding during the day of not only are you doing all these things, the comp REL rules, you know, playing a four player game, keep going game after game after game you know, worrying about threat after threat. And on top of that, you're also trying to maintain this level of cool that allows you to navigate a social setting with three strangers where you're really trying to eke out an advantage without really kind of threatening and like obviously playing a political game. Yep, I've seen it fail too. Like at the table, I I watched it fail multiple times while we were there, just like um, uh, someone was playing Kess, and like I just kept punching them. I had Ragavan, and I just kept punching them. And they were talking to the table like, uh, you got to get rid of that Ragavan. It's too much card advantage right now. And it's like, well, I'm exiling instants and sorceries from this Kess, you know, <laughs> from Kess right now. So like, but they had talked the table into like trying to do it. And they're just like, no. Yeah. They're like, no. Like you are clearly, you're explosive. You're clearly going to be the problem. They ended up winning. The thing is Kess ended up winning the game. <laughs> and no right, and no right to win that game, but uh, you know it's uh, it's it gets to a point where if you can't keep your cool, and you're trying to talk the table into some sort of political movement, whether it's in your favor or not, or in someone else's favor, um, you have to keep your cool, and you can't be like defensive. No, nope. like you can't you can't make it come off as like a defensive uh, response. Body language, tone of voice, all those things matter. Like you know. <sighs> Man, if I'm playing sports or magic or anything and I see an opponent acting a little bit sweaty, 
a little bit thirsty, whatever, just for, you know, not even to give myself an advantage. I'm just going to, you know, turn the screw a little bit on that person. Exactly. Because they're going to blow up. They're going to blow up and it's going to take care of a problem for me that I don't even have to think about. Yep. Yeah. You got to apply the pressure because now you're starting to see the weakness. You're starting to see them crack a little bit. And that's all Like you got to be uh, aware of those things, whether they're, you know, tapping their foot a little bit harder than they were. Like you can see that they're amping up, like getting ready to like take the win. But, you know, you can see them cracking or see them getting nervous. Like there were a couple of people I saw at the table that were just like, you know, reading, reading their body language. You could tell that they were setting up for the win on their turn. <laughs> So, yeah, when you see that, you just got to, I don't know, yeah, implement the table talk and just see if it works out in your favor. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have a whole episode or so on table talk and politics and stuff like that. I think we we could do a lot of deep diving on that as we explore it, too. You know, we're all just figuring this out for ourselves and kind of how to effectively do it and how to kind of do it in a not toxic way and everything like that. Like something kind of promotes the gameplay. Yeah, like before I cast the ecological appreciation, I should have, like... Before I allowed them, I should have said, maintaining priority, hey, dude, the only person playing blue at the table, I will let you choose which creatures I get, you know, like I will give you the choice of which creatures I get to keep if you allow this to resolve. Yes. And I will hyper focus the hell out of this Winota player. Yes. A lot of the time, if you are just, and I've done, I've been guilty of this because I don't do a ton of table talk. Is if if you just freaking cast a, a spell and it's a scary spell and you don't say anything, it's just gonna get countered. Yeah, you're you're keeping quiet because you're about to win. Like that's the assumption. Yeah, ever you know, it, it's a four player game. It's a game of outlast. Yeah, like you know, a lot of people will take the deal. Hey, let's not kill each other now. Let's kill each other later. Right. Like, you know, yeah, it helps them. Actually, I had in one of my games, I had a notion thief to guy with a ristic study because he was screwed on colorless man. uh, He had only colorless lands. So he had only uh, one blue option. And that was it. And so he was relying on Rhystic Study to get to another land. He missed like multiple land drops. But I had Notion Thief before he got any advantage off of it. So we're at this like kind of stalemate. Um, but it got to a point where uh, the guy going after him was starting to be clearly the threat. The Chainer player really started to take advantage of the game. And I was like, dude, you got to start him because he was denying all the Rhystic Study triggers. So my Notion Thief wouldn't draw me the card. And I was like, I don't have any more interaction. I need to start drawing cards so I can stop him from winning. And it was actually a way to buy me two more cards because I was able to continue to draw off Rhystic Study. Um, so, I mean, it's just kind of those things. It's just like you are clearly a threat. I Notion Thief is Rhystic Study. I'm a bad guy. I get it. But... It's kind of helping everybody to be objective, and it is kind of pointing that threat assessment. It's like, yes, that stung, but that is no longer your worst problem. Like right. now, I have this, which will now stop him from winning the game. He I has know to y- pay for the like. You have to start paying for the risk study, otherwise, you give someone else and, two cards. And I'm the blue player, bro. I'm going to get interaction. So it's just you know, it's bridging that gap. It's kind of helping people assess, and you know, you're not always going to be effective at it, and it's not always going to be right. But you know, you just gotta kind of pick your moments. Yeah, and I guess Rhystic Study is May draw, so you don't necessarily have to pay for it because they aren't always going to like take that draw. But um, I think I just had to like really open my eyes to the fact that like nobody has nobody has the same level of threat assessment that that you do or the same view on threat assessment that you do. We're all thinking about different things. Yep, we all play different styles, we all play different decks, and that is carries a lot of weight when it comes to the political balance of the table. Yes. So I think it's a very cool part of this game, but I think it's also a very sh- a f- hard part of it. It's a very frustrating part of it sometimes. Because you think like, 
that needs to be answered because I can see what's coming because I've seen this happen before right. or something like that. And then they don't answer it because they see it other things as a threat. Like, I can't tell you how many people thought Zakama was just this thundercloud in the distance, just like a storm brewing yeah. in its way. And it's just like... Just seeing a 9-9 nine, nine for 9 in the yeah. command zone is terrifying. Like, if you cast Zakama, you're going to win the game. And I'm like... Even though they have no idea how you would possibly do that. <laughs> nope. Like, I haven't... Like, that's a big part of, like, the deck, like, was hiding my win conditions, right? So, like, even if I did play a War Room down or whatever, it's like, that doesn't inherently win me the game i have to assemble the food chain combo for that to win me the game but they would just like seize a comma and to just be like well if that comes down i lose and so a lot of the interaction like pointed towards me was very like brash or like responsive mm-hmm. in a, an unreasonable way yeah so i guess like moving forward with like tournaments and everything i'm just trying to think like with the meta we saw, what does the meta like look like moving forward? And it's it just so uncertain. I feel like it's very shifty ground to like walk on. Yeah, there's. I mean, since there's been a lot of options lately with all the new products coming out and everything being you know a little pushed, like things become more and more viable in a CDH format in the CDH format, which than they ever have been, which is actually kind of crazy at like higher and higher rate. Like, look at all these new cars, new Capenna and Kamigawa. Those all just came out, and they're very firmly CDH staples at this point. Like, Nimrus was in the top 16, and that was, like, another point that when uh, yeah, we were sitting there, like, watching that deck, we're just like, it is an unsuspecting value engine. Well, I think our biggest takeaway, and we do need to wrap it up here a little bit, is that you can deck building and picking your deck and knowing your commander is only going to take you so far. And that's what Evan was talking about when he's like, we thought we hit the top, you know, we spent a lot of time deck building. We spent a lot of time playing in our group and we played competitively. Um, but the next level is just playing and being a better player and having a better mindset and knowing how to balance all these things. Well, like continuing your game plan. So when you ask like, what is the meta moving forward? I, I just think like, I'm almost leaning towards just knowing a deck really, really specifically well is what we're seeing a lot of the time. Like, people, it doesn't matter. People aren't playing meta decks and people are winning these tournaments all the time. It's yeah. just have your strategy, know your deck, and then know what you're playing. Get better at playing the people and playing the table than really worrying about am I playing the best? Am I playing the next thing? I, I mean, I feel like knowing your outs and having good threat threat assessment will take you further than having an excellent deck. 100%. We still yeah. like Nimrus is a is not like a broken commander, but I made the top 16 because it is a deck that gives you options when you make decisions. And so if you make decisions at the right time and you get more options at the optimal times, you're going to impact the game properly. And you will win more games. And you will win more games by doing that. So it just comes down to he was just a good fucking player. Yeah, in a game where your inherent chance of winning is technically 25%. If you're winning 25% of your games, you are a good player. Yes, like, it is just, not. It is not. You should be getting a quarter in these tournaments. Like I am, I have an abysmal record at tournaments so far. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not necessarily a great player at the moment, you know. So it just takes time. Just takes time. You got to keep seeing things. You got to keep making optimal choices. Like Ritter's favorite style is making opponents make bad choices. And so if you can make a deck that you know, focuses on that and you're still making optimal choices, you're going to win more games and your percentage, your percentage then 
goes up. If you're playing at a level where your win percentage is higher than 25%, that's when you're ascending. That's when you're like really settling into the tournament mindset. That's when you're starting to become competitive. That's when you become really, really good. Yeah, you st- yeah you're, you're knowing everything. And uh, some idiot at the player meeting, it was me, uh, asked this question because they said uh, no phones allowed like during the tournament unless you're on like, <laughs> the gatherer app for life total counting and I was just like well what if I need to look at my deck list and it was just for save time and tutoring and then they're like uh, knowing your deck list is part of uh, your skill as a player <laughs> you did kind of get fucking roasted in front of everybody I went, I went heard that <laughs> so yes, yes daddy sorry oh, <laughs> shut up <laughs> So, yeah, ultimately, loved it. Loved the venue. We'll go back. We'll yeah, do Gab- this Yeah, Gabby's is too. lit, and they do they do it weekly. And sh- So this was kind of a bigger tournament for the weekend that they were kind of putting on. It's not their normal weekly thing. And so I'm looking forward to going back when they do them again. And I, uh, yeah, I wish with Evan, I just think we are looking to ascend. We're looking to get that next level and kind of develop that, that mindset, that, that play style that, really ascends how well a deck is built i think we're great at deck building we've done that we uh you know we've fine-tuned our decks really well but it's just making the decision in the moments there's a billion different interactions in this game and that's what makes it so great but that's what makes it so challenging Ritter, you want to go to the next tournament with us let's do it dude no (laughs) (laughs) not your scene that's fair uh i do think katilda could like play well at the like at a high level i mean you're talking about that abdel adrian that'd be oh yeah when you put when you guys put it that way no No. (laughs) fair enough fair enough i respect it all right guys well uh thanks for listening to us rant about this tournament it was a lot of fun and uh hopefully next time we've got some uh, dubs we can talk about yeah we'll have uh, we'll have some like little bit of like shorter tournament recaps in the future when we go out and we start playing more and start doing that more often yeah um we got some uh, spicy decks too we actually got really inspired after uh after leaving and uh i got a new grixis deck that i'm brewing right now and uh evan's got a spicy little secret not involving Sacred Guide that I talked about earlier, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but we will talk about that later and probably have some uh, more deck workshops in the future for you guys. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening to the Mox Touch Podcast. You guys fucking rock. Yeah, we're going to go test these decks out tonight. Yes, proxied up. Listen to the last episode, talks about proxies. Listen to the episode before that. If you're curious about the Zakama food chain combo. Uh, Gabby's Comics and Games in Olympia, yes. Washington. Go yeah, there, hit them up. Yep. Go there, spend yep. your money there. Gabby, Same Dr. Gabby. Pepper can't sponsor every episode of this podcast. Hit us up. That is you, true. Uh, you know, want to get some traffic we in the store. We are amenable to showing. Thank you guys for listening. We're going to move on. All right. Peace out. (laughs) Bye.